So before I begin today, I want to share a testimony. Uh, so just somebody send it to me. So just listen to this. I wanted to share that I resonated with the message on Sunday service two weeks back about generosity. I would so relate to the part about giving and the intent of giving. I couldn't switch on my video that time, but what you would have seen would be me thumping my fits in the air and saying, yes, yes, exactly. I've always looked at giving no matter if it's money, clothes, some gadget or even like smallest dairy milk chocolate as giving honestly is like giving a piece of your heart as your, th as your thoughts were associated with them. And after the message during the offering, it wasn't in my mind, which was it wasn't my mind, which was dictating what I should give, but rather the message. It felt unencumbered and just freeing. Honestly, the weeks that followed have been awarded with benefits that are rarest of rare because it's not the financial year end. It required multiple levels of approval and one that even requires the executive board's approval. I was overwhelmed by all of it and I was affirmed of the message that no matter how much you give, your heart doesn't deplete and your wallet is always taken care of. So I just wanted to say thank you for being this encouraging group of people who helped me stay this course by receiving the message the way you guys did. It helped me believe in it a bit more. That's Sadika. Uh, and a similar testimony I heard like in the past couple of days, I heard from four different people, four different people. Okay. Uh, it's really amazing what God is doing. Um, And, you know, some of us, when we hear such testimonies, we might be wondering, when is our time going to come? Right? Uh, amazing things are happening all around, but when is my time going to come? And this message is especially for you. Okay? Uh, because I don't know anybody who likes waiting. Do you, do you like waiting? waiting behind a long queue or waiting behind the red light. Nobody likes waiting. I, I don't know how Jacob did it. Like he waited for 14 years. Don't know how he did it. Maybe he can teach us. But the thing is, nobody likes waiting. But waiting is a very important part of our Christian walk. It's a very important part of our Christian walk. I remember when I gave my boards, uh, Writing those exams were not as difficult as waiting for the results. Yeah. It's so difficult, right? The, the anxiety, the, uh, the apprehension of what may or may not. Nobody likes waiting. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When you're hoping for something and it doesn't happen, what does it do? It makes your heart sick. Do you see sick people in the heart today? <laughs> That's because it's, it's, it's something that we hope for and it did not happen. But a desire, a longing that has been fulfilled, it is a tree of life. Uh, you see in the Bible, there's so many examples of people who had to wait. They got a promise from the Lord, but they had to wait. Abraham, he got the promise when he was 75 years old, but he did not see the fulfillment of the promise till he was 100. 
And my question is, why did he wait for 25 years? Or why did he have to wait? Couldn't God do the miracle then? Why did he have to wait for 25 years? Or think about Moses, right? He, he knew that he was called to be the leader. And in fact, when he was in the palace for 40 years, he thought that God was going to use his position in the palace. But God doesn't do that. And then he murders somebody, so he has to run away. And now he's, he's a shepherd for 40 years. And then almost after 80 years, God calls him. Think about that. We're not talking about days, guys. We're talking about years. Moses took 80 years to get into the divine calling of God. We are not even half of that. We're just beginning. Come on, guys. This is good news for us. Amen. David, he was anointed when he was a child, right? He was a kid, probably 12 years old. He got anointed as a king around when he was 30, maybe. For all those years, it was not a pleasant journey. Oh, we, we rejoice when David was anointed by prophet Samuel. But what about the in-between years when he was running away from Saul? There was nobody who came and comforted him. He was living in caves. The anointed king is living in caves. Think about that. See, we love to hear these prophetic words and we, we need to receive them. Yes, good. But, you know, what do we do during that period of waiting Till it actually manifests. Till the promise is fulfilled. What do you do? How do you wait? But the thing is, see, for some of us, we have to wait, right? I'm not talking about have to wait. I'm talking about waiting with patience. Waiting as in, you know, like for example, when I got engaged to Betty, like, you know, our wedding was confirmed. It took like six months for the marriage to happen for the wedding to happen so i knew that six months i had to wait i did not have any choice okay but i'm not talking about that kind of a wait where you have to wait i'm talking about waiting but with patience waiting but with trusting god waiting is not inactivity waiting is where god is doing something in your life it is painful you don't like it nobody likes it Nobody likes it. But there's something, something in that period when God does something to us. God uses that period to equip us into the promise that he has called us. See, we think that, okay, I received the promise. Now I have to wait for so many years to see that promise fulfilled. But let me tell you, the moment you receive the promise, it has been activated in your life. And the reason why you're going through all of that, it's because of that promise. I'm reminded of Mary, okay? This was going to be my Christmas sermon, but <laughs> I'm reminded of Mary. She got this promise of the Messiah, the Savior. And think about all the instances just after that. She's rejected by her, by her fiancé, right? He's rejected by that, by him. And then, you know, when they go to Bethlehem, they get no place. They stay in a manger. After that, Herod is after their life. Because of them, Herod kills a lot of children. And do you call that promise of God? 
when the angel appeared to mary he said oh highly favored is that the favor of god and beyond all of that you know mary after 33 years she sees his own son dying on the cross naked you know like there was nobody nothing that comforted them at that moment what was it what was it all for it was a promise that was being activated they were in that journey of process they were in that journey of walking in the promise and i want to and i want to comfort you guys and i want to encourage you you know yes you might have received a promise yes you might have got a word stay on it it's working it might feel like you're heading nowhere but i'm telling you the word does not return void it hits its target at all times you are in this waiting period you are in this place wherever you are because it has been decided by god so that he can equip you to receive that promise in its fulfillment thank god thank god that it did not happen earlier thank god for that he knows the timing of it is waiting tough oh yes is waiting tough yes but god knows let's let's read this was isaiah chapter 40 isaiah 40 was 31 but those who wait for yahweh will renew their strength they will mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not be weary they will walk and not faint this is the promise of god if you wait on the lord my goodness if you wait on the lord you shall be renewed you will mount up with wings you will run you will not be weary you will walk and not faint see let me tell you one thing waiting on god does not mean waiting for things to happen You know what I mean, brother? What are you doing? Uh, I am waiting. What are you waiting for? I am waiting for God's will to happen. Waiting on God does not mean you're waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for an external circumstance to happen in your life. Waiting on God means that that you are so so. intertwined in the presence of god that you are so caught up in the reality of god that it no longer matters if the promise has been fulfilled or not that is waiting on god you know the the word in hebrew waiting is the word is kava which means intertwined like the braids of the hair that are intertwined with each other waiting means that where you are so caught up in the presence of god that you come above your circumstances you come above your desires you come above your feelings you come above your promises and you're like i don't care if this thing is going to happen or not but jesus you have become my reality that's waiting see jesus said i am the way the truth and the life right he said that the word truth over there is alithia which means reality so jesus is saying i am your reality i am your true reality we all want to live in the reality that we have created where we are the god of our lives right that's the truth we like the attention 
but god has something much 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 better if jesus can become a reality and how can jesus become a reality when we wait on him when we wait on him you know the the illustration that i had was you know when you are sitting in front of your lover right and you're looking into their eyes everything else becomes background it just fades into the background why you don't care you don't care where the spider is you don't care where you know who the waiter is you don't care about these things why because your eyes are fixed your eyes are locked that's what waiting on god means see waiting on god does not mean god i am waiting for you when is this going to happen it's not waiting on god that is waiting for circumstances that is waiting for the fulfillment of your promise waiting on god is waiting on god is like david says you know oh one thing have i desired one thing have i desired is to gaze at your beauty that's waiting the three things that waiting does well three things that i'm going to tell you that waiting does the first one is waiting takes us beyond our circumstances when we wait on god our circumstances don't matter anymore okay you might be pressed down crushed you know persecuted but those circumstances won't matter why because when you're waiting on god the union with god will get you out of that reality and will take you to a higher reality see when jesus died and he rose again the first thing he did to bless you was to deliver you from death and to give you life right so jesus did not die to make you a better person he died so that you could become alive so when you became alive he did not just keep you there but he took you with him and made you seated with him at the right hand of god that's where your position is but because we are living on the earth right we forget that and we get so caught up in the daily activities of life that we forget that but when we wait on god we get to recognize that hey you know what why am i struggling here why am i so anxious why sam it's okay you're seated at the far you know far above all principalities you're seated at the right hand of god so what waiting on god does is it takes you beyond your circumstances because your god becomes your reality okay uh, one one verse that i have is psalms 27 verse 1 this is david he says the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is a stronghold of my life of whom shall i be afraid you know when david wrote that verse okay he wasn't writing from his from the comfort of his palace he was writing when he was actually surrounded by enemies and enemies were trying to kill him so just imagine that enemies have surrounded you their armies are much bigger than you greater than yours right and they are there with only one intention to kill you to have the confidence like david who says the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i be afraid think about that why because he was waiting on god he was so caught up in the presence of god that it did not matter what circumstances he was in because he knew of a greater reality see he was facing goliath he saw that 10 foot giant and he was not scared why because he was more conscious of the greater reality that was with him than that was against him so waiting on god lifts you up from your circumstances 
It lifts you up. It actually realigns our hearts and our minds and tells you, hey, why are you afraid? You're seated with Jesus at the right hand of God. The second point is waiting takes us beyond our own, wait for it, desires. And this is the hard part. Waiting on God takes us beyond our own desires. Psalms 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, once, once I was traveling in the metro and I was meditating on this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And my business partner, who's, who's, who's a non-believer, he asked me, what are you reading? So I showed him, you know, this is what I'm reading. And he said, well, that's, that's a very interesting, interesting passage. I said, why? Because if you truly delight yourself in the Lord, why will you have any desires? And I'm like, interesting. The thing is, most Christians struggle with that. So when you wait on God, it, waiting on God takes you beyond your own desires. Let me, let me give an example. Abraham, he waited on God for Isaac for how many years? 25 years. So after 25 years, he gets a son. And then one fine day, God says, Abraham, give me your son, your only son. And he's very specific. The son whom you love, right? Give it to me. Sacrifice him. Now I'm saying, think about it. Think about the, that time when Abraham is climbing up that mountain with Isaac and all that is going in his mind, that he's about to sacrifice Isaac. He's about to sacrifice Isaac. My question is, how did he even do it? How did he even have the, you know, the strength to do that? And if you read from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, this is a wonderful study that I usually do. From Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, if you read that entire passage, you will see instances where Abraham had failed to trust God so many times. Okay, he actually failed. And every time Abraham failed, God would renew his promise. God would say, Abraham, don't worry, just because you failed, you miss out on my promise. Let me renew my promise. So he saw that journey. There's a journey of God's faithfulness in his life. He saw that. And I think, I really believe that is what really strengthened him to take up on that journey with his son. Okay? Because for Abraham, the biggest idol of his life is Isaac. That's his biggest idol. Some of you really need to hear this. The biggest idol of your life. Okay, the most precious thing. Romans 12 verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, brother, in the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Worship has to do with sacrifice. Giving what is the most important thing to you, that is worship. And Abraham, he couldn't let go of Isaac. That was the most difficult journey. Why? Why? Because that's all that he desired for. And God is actually freeing him. God is actually freeing him because Isaac has taken the place where only God can, God is worthy of. 
and and here you see in that journey you know abraham somehow does it he's about to kill and god says hey don't do it now i know that you truly love me because you have not withhold your only son from me but you know what is interesting come to that verse genesis chapter 22 verse 19 this is the sacrifice is done the lord says you know you don't have to sacrifice your son there's the lamb you know sacrifice after everything is done genesis 22 verse 19 so abraham returned to his young men where were the young men they they did not come for the sacrifice they were down the mountain this verse says on from the mountain abraham returned to his young men i'm saying where is isaac didn't isaac return has no mention of isaac on the on the mountain bible says abraham returned to his young men why because god wants to show us that even though isaac was not really sacrificed he was sacrificed in his heart there was a circumcision of the heart that took place that day for abraham and i'm saying you might clap but this is difficult it's painful that journey is painful where god was actually redeeming him from his own desire where his own desire had become such a big deal for him some of you can't be happy until you get your desires met god needs to redeem you from that waiting on god does that delivers you delivers you from the desires that you have made such a big deal such an idol waiting on god delivers you what's the third point waiting on god realigns our focus waiting on god realigns our focus now the example that i want to take is from the story of joseph joseph got the promise right probably he was 12 years old when he got the promise what was the promise he saw a dream that his entire family is bowing down in front of him what a dream right i wish he kept his mouth shut he didn't he was boasting about it and then his brothers get jealous put him on the well then later sell him to the traders now he is in egypt he is sold to potiphar right he is at the potiphar's house he is a servant but you know what the bible says genesis 39 verse 2 i love this verse genesis 39 verse 2 the lord was with joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his egyptian master the lord was with joseph and he was a successful man and where he is right now he is in the house of potiphar see joseph is not the prime minister yet joseph is just a servant but the bible records that joseph was prosperous See you don't have to be the master to become prosperous. You don't have to be the master. You know we we are we are trying all that we can to get promoted so that we think that it's the promotion that God you know will prosper us. I'm saying if you are faithful in what you're doing 
God can still make you prosperous because prosperity in the Bible is not defined by the wealth that you have. Prosperity is defined by the presence of God that is standing with you. It is the intensity of God's presence that can be released through your life. So that whatever you touch, wherever you go, you are carrying the prosperity of God. Because the prosperity of God cannot be separated from the person of God. Joseph was a servant, but he was prosperous. Think about that. What does waiting on God do? Waiting on God realigns our focus. It realigns our focus like it did for Joseph. Joseph, I am with you. You're prosperous. Why? Because I am with you. Whatever you touch will be prosperous. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. It's the hardest thing. To be still because we always want to do something. Be still and know that I am God. Waiting on God realigns the focus, realigns the focus in knowing that it's not my wealth that's my prosperity, it is God who is my prosperity. It is not uh, the medical science that is going to bring healing, it is God who has become my healing. It is not the, the, the victory in my office politics that is going to clear this thing, it is God who has become my victory. See, when we come to God, we are always seeking something from Him. And you know, God, God is a generous giver. He loves giving it. But I'm saying the, the maturity in our Christian walk is when we, instead of seeking something from Him, when God becomes that thing for us. Like, for example, you're seeking God, you're seeking healing from God. And then one day you realize, man, God is my healer. Yes, that is true. God is your healer. But what if God becomes your healing? That's the new covenant. God becomes your healing. God becomes your prosperity. God becomes your victory. God becomes your, you know, your every need in your emotions. God becomes that. God becomes your peace. God becomes your joy. God becomes your righteousness. That's the new covenant. Lord, Lord, give me, give me, give me. No, because I'm united with him, he has become my wholeness. Waiting on God realigns our focus. So that we no longer see the physical circumstances and you know, we are like, Lord, why is this not happening? But take a moment to redefine everything in your life. Let's redefine everything. Redefine prosperity, redefine peace, redefine joy, redefine mental health. Redefine salvation. Redefine happiness. God has the capacity to become all of that. Can I give you a small, this is, this is free advice. For single, single people out there. You know, a lot of single people, you know, they get into this relationship because they're they're lonely, which is okay. They're lonely, they can't deal with their heart, so they think that someone will comfort them, will give them the attention, and you know, will will really fill that void that is there. Can I tell you, Christ-centered marriage is not a half-filled cup uniting with another half-filled cup and becoming a whole cup. 
that's not a christ-centered marriage a christ-centered marriage is where a half-filled cup is becomes whole because of his relationship with christ and another half-filled cup becomes whole in his relationship with christ and they come together in union so when you get into a relationship you're not like oh you know what i she's giving me that he's giving me that that's why i'm in this relationship you don't need anything why because your needs are met over here and out of the abundance of the heart you have the capacity to love that person that is when you can love unconditionally otherwise you're always going to you know you're always going to stay in that place of lack and reserve and you're you you're going to feel so used and abused he didn't pick my call he didn't i'm saying i'm saying seriously guys we have elevated them to to a place where only god is worthy of they can't be the god of our lives you have to understand that the day you understand that and you find wholeness in christ then you get into a relationship you know why because it's not because i need something it's because i can offer something because i'm overflowing in love because i'm overflowing in the peace of god that is christ centered relationship doesn't happen in the mindset of lack it happens in the mindset of supply there's no demand demand i need this why aren't you doing this i need this i need that no it's it's happening in the supply of mindset of supply 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 because that's how god loves us yeah well, that's those are just nuggets okay uh why does god want us to wait why does he want us to wait why can't he just you know uh like like we go to mcdonald's we make an order and they give us instantly they give us a burger why why doesn't god do that why does god want us to wait james chapter 1 verse 2 to 4 count it all joy what does it say it doesn't say half joy it says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds listen to this for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing god wants you to be perfect and complete why does god want you to wait because he wants to teach you he's teaching you a lot of things Joseph got the dream when he was a child but you know it was the journey that taught him that equipped him to become the prime minister Moses knew his calling in the palace but it was when he was you know being the shepherd of that sheep that he realized that's the equipping that God did to make him be the shepherd of entire nation of Israel think about that because you know why sheep are dumb ask me sheep are dumb okay they don't know so you have to be the shepherd you have to be so patient so that was his journey that was his training process so when he saw when he when he had to become the shepherd of israel he was trained already so this waiting period god is teaching you teaching your patience teaching your steadfastness so that you will not lack anything when you receive the promise See, it's like a five-year-old goes to the father and says, "I need a car," and the father says, "I'll give you a car." But if he gives the car before his time, the boy might die. So he waits. He trains him. 
till he's 18 years old and then gives him the car. Are you understanding? See, God loves giving gifts to his children. He loves it. In fact, James says, you know, he gives good and perfect gifts. He loves giving good gifts to his children. It's not like you shouldn't have any desire. It's not like that. God loves it. But you have to trust him beyond your desires. You have to trust him beyond your circumstances. You have to trust him beyond what is coming against you. You have to trust him. If God says no, that means he has something better. Don't just hold on to it. No, Lord, this is what I want. Why? Because God knows best. He loves you. He knows best. He's not doing it to punish you. He knows what he is doing. Will you trust him? Amen. Excited to wait? To wait on God. Yeah. Waiting on God doesn't mean circumstances to change. Waiting on God means that you're so caught up in his presence that changing circumstances also don't affect you. Nothing affects you because you're caught up in his presence. You're just caught up in his presence. And I just want to encourage you. I know that you have received a lot of promises in your life. I know that there are a lot of desires that you have. All is good. And if you are in the season of waiting, you know, imagine, imagine yourself like that mother who has conceived and, you know, has become pregnant and, you know, she's waiting, she's waiting. The longer she waits, know that there's a longer, there's a, there's a bigger champion that's going to be released. Don't worry if it takes time. Don't worry because God knows it. God knows the right time to release that promise over your life. Instead of being upset and being anxious, use that opportunity to train yourself in whatever God has called you. So if you are single and you're waiting to get married, use this opportunity as, as a training process so that God can teach you what it means to be a husband or what it means to be a wife. If you are looking for a better job, and you're in, stuck in that waiting process, I'm saying, equip yourself. But still trust God beyond everything. Because He knows what He is doing. You have no idea, you know, how your life can change just like that. Tell me, how many of you could predict that you would be here a year ago? None of us. How many of, you, how many of us could predict that COVID would happen? We, we make these long-term plans. I'm, I'm nothing against long-term plans, but I'm just saying, you know, let's trust God through the process. None of us like the process. But let's trust Him. Amen? Amen. You know, I believe when Joseph was waiting for that promise, I'm sure it was painful. I believe there came a time. I believe there came a time for Joseph but the promise giver became greater than the promise. Think about that. Who has given you this promise? Let him be greater. Let him be greater. Nothing surpasses him in your life. Because nobody else can take his place. Whoever takes his place will do a pretty bad job. Let me tell you that. 
Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we just acknowledge you in this place and we acknowledge the word that you have released. And Father, we know that this this period of waiting is tough, but it does not have to be when we know that you are a good father, when we know that you have our back, when we know that everything that you intend for us is good and perfect. And Father, so we we really want to train our hearts not to be anxious, to be apprehensive, but we want to train our hearts to trust in you and to rejoice and to be peaceful and to be joyful and not lose our inner reality that we have with you because of these pressing circumstances. So Father, this is our prayer that you will teach us. Train us. Train us. So that as we are faithful in holding on to your promises right now, Lord, you will make us ruler of greater things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.